Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, moving cattle here in Texas is big business. And we've got some good news for livestock haulers. We've got another extension for livestock haulers from the hours of service rules. We'll go into more detail on that to kick off today's show. Plus, pecan growers here in Texas and nationwide get another five years to promote the benefits of their product. We'll talk with a Texas pecan grower who chairs the American Pecan Council coming up later in today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. At the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour in Canyon, I had the chance to talk tax policy with a leading agriculture advocate from the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and we'll bring you what lobbyist Tom Sell had to tell me on Texas Ag Today. Reducing the numbers of people without the vaccine increases the odds that COVID is less likely to occur. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have those medical details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has extended the exemption from hours of service requirements for livestock haulers. The move was advocated by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and the organization says livestock haulers continue to need the flexibility for the well-being of livestock during hauls and to keep grocery stores stocked with beef during the continued disruption of COVID-19. NCBA says livestock haulers have been operating under an hours of service exemption since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic while maintaining a strong safety record. Current hours of service rules allow for 11 hours of drive time, 14 hours of on-duty time, and then require 10 consecutive hours of rest. However, livestock haulers need flexibility to protect the welfare of the animals they're hauling. The most recent extension will continue through midnight on November 30th of 2021. Texas beef producers are feeding hungry kids. Jessica Domel tells how. A program that works to combat childhood hunger in Texas recently received a $105,000 donation from the Amarillo area beef community. The donation to the Snack Pack for Kids Beef Stick program will be used to provide much-needed protein in bags of food that go to students in need over the weekend when school-provided meals are not available. Dyron Howell, founder of Snack Pack for Kids, says the Amarillo Area Beef Partners continue to step up to serve their communities. 
He said that over the past three years, the Beef for Kids Classic Golf Tournament has raised more than $350,000 for the Beef Stick Program. In fact, the donations from the beef community, which includes the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, has helped increase the amount of proteins that kids in the Snack Pack for Kids program get from 12 grams to more than 50 grams. Howell said this is the protein that kids desperately need to be successful both at home and at school. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Pecan growers get another five years to promote the benefits of pecans. The news came down at the annual meeting of the American Pecan Council this week, where USDA announced the results of the referendum held back in June for the continuation of the American pecan industry's federal marketing order. Mike Adams of Caldwell, Texas, is chairman of the American Pecan Council. We're excited. We're, we're as a council, under the federal marketing order, we were pleased that our activities and um, marketing, promotion, data collection, all of that has been validated by the referendum, the vote among the growers. And so that's always gratifying, in some regards humbling, that we've got a growing community that believes in what we're doing and uh, is going to give us five more years. So it was exciting to get that announcement from USDA. Promotion and marketing efforts were started from scratch five years ago after a referendum vote provided the opportunity to set up a self-promotion program for those involved in the pecan business. The vote, the referendum vote, is a validation that APC has done some good things over the last, really what amounts to three and a half years. It took us about a year and a half to get up to speed with staff and just understanding the provisions, the protocol, the the audits, all of that that was required under the Agricultural Marketing Act, which is the law that oversees the federal marketing order. We re- literally started from square one in terms of engaging a uh, international uh, marketing firm and folks that were professionals at uh, telling our story. Uh, we're good farmers. We know how to produce pecans, but there are professionals out there that we retained to tell the pecan story, which, by the way, great story to tell. Mike Adams, a pecan grower from Caldwell, Texas. He serves as chairman of the American Pecan Council. Agriculture has a lot at stake in the big tax policy debate. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. I had a chance this week to catch up with Tom Sell of Lubbock. Sell is the co-founder and manager of Combest Sell & Associates, a lobbying firm that represents agriculture in Washington, D.C. Regarding the big congressional debate over taxes, Sell says his firm is working to defend ag producers' interest. But if Democratic Party leaders have their way, a lot of what was gained in the big tax reform approved during the Trump administration could be lost. They're talking about trying to raise $3.5 trillion in tax revenue. That's a big number. That is a bigger number than the supposed $2 trillion in tax cuts. These are 10-year numbers. But the $2.1 trillion in tax cuts that resulted from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that passed in January of 2018. You know, and even in that, one really interesting thing, James, you know, they, they said, and of course the Democrats decried at that time saying that this was going to really bankrupt the government, that it was going to so decrease tax revenue. But in the first year of implementation of that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the United States healthy economy had higher tax revenue as a nation, even with those lower rates than it ever had in the history of the United States. So tax policy is always very complicated and it has significant economic impacts. 
But just by virtue of the fact that you're comparing a desire to raise $3.5 trillion in tax revenue versus what was cut in that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, $2.1 trillion, yeah, we are at risk of losing all those decreases, including the corporate rate, the personal income tax rates, the special rates for pass-through entities like LLCs or LLPs or Schedule C's, uh, sub-S's, the ways that most farms are organized as pass-through entities. So there was a lot in there, and people need to remember that. My conversation with Tom Sell took place in Canyon at AgriLife's Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. COVID-19 is affecting both urban and rural Texas. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Waco physician about the issue. Whether you live in rural Texas or in one of the many metropolitan areas, the push continues for more people to get vaccinated for protection against the coronavirus. To talk more about this, we have Waco physician Dr. James Sharp with us. And uh, Dr. Sharp, the COVID-19 virus is still running rampant in many areas of Texas and across the country. This variant is much more contagious than what we were seeing before. With that, we're, we're still seeing the same activity we saw in the beginning of this. Then it was very dense populations. We're having the very high numbers. The more people that are still susceptible to infection with this COVID virus and the more contagious the virus is, the faster it's going through that population and giving us these huge numbers with now our ICUs being overwhelmed in some of our communities here in Texas. So doctor, what can be done to stop this? Our main defense is to decrease the number of people who are susceptible or spread them apart. Think of it like a pool table or a billiard table. If you cover that table with balls and you tell me to put a ball in any pocket, I can do that. You take all those balls off but one, put it in the middle, and tell me to bank off the far side of the pool table and knock that ball into the left back pocket, I'm not going to make it. It's a matter of odds. The fewer people that are susceptible to the infection, the slower this thing gets, but it will slow down to a trickle where our hospitals can handle it. When every person that gets the vaccine, they are benefiting their loved ones, their neighbors, their coworkers, because they're one less person that can get it. Or, unfortunately, some of the people with vaccines will get it, but hopefully it'll be milder. When it comes down to it, it's all about the shot. That is Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas dove hunters have an opportunity to win a brand new truck, ATV, or other prizes. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine herpes virus is one of the most serious diseases to affect horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine herpes virus is one of the most serious diseases to affect horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says it's also one of the most difficult to prevent. 
and the virus is believed to have co-evolved with horses over millions of years. Dr. Peter Timoney with the University of Kentucky indicates in Equine Disease Quarterly that this evolution has resulted in a lifelong carrier state in many infected horses and involves viral latency at many different sites in the body. This means the horses are infected with the virus, do not show clinical signs except at certain times, and this is typical of many herpes virus infections in people and animals. This infection can cause viral respiratory disease in young horses, loss of foals in pregnant mares, and neurological disease, usually in adult animals. We do have a vaccine that is approved to prevent the respiratory form and the form that causes abortion in mares, but no vaccine is approved for the neurological form, and unfortunately, this is the most serious form. The neurological form is called equine herpes virus myeloencephalopathy, or EHM. And the United States Department of Agriculture indicated in 2007 that EHM was caused by a hypervirulent or more pathogenic strain of the virus. Biosecurity is very important with this disease as this virus seems to affect horses at horse shows, likely due to the stress of traveling and showing, which may reduce their immunity. This occurred about 10 years ago at a cutting horse show in Ogden, Utah, when exposed horses departed the event and spread the virus to 12 states and two Canadian provinces. An outbreak recently occurred in February of this year in Spain, in which many horses did not survive. Although herpes vaccination does not protect against the neurological strain, it does protect against the other strains and decreases shedding of the virus. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas Dove Hunters have an opportunity to win a brand new truck, ATV, or other prizes this year. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Texas Dove Hunters now have a chance to win a brand new truck, ATV, exotic game hunt, or hunting gear just for bagging an invasive Eurasian collar dove and reporting the band if it has one. It's all part of this year's Banded Bird Challenge hosted by the Texas Dove Hunters Association. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, says the challenge is a great way to collect data on the invasive Eurasian collar dove while rewarding hunters and letting them know about the Dove Hunters Association. We have some good general data from U.S. Fish and Wildlife on the species of bird, but not so much as to how it behaves in the state of Texas. So we trap birds here and we release them here and then that helps us to study whether or not they are actually migrating, whether they are leaving the state or leaving their new home and headed somewhere else. Being that it's invasive, it's not a federal protected migratory bird. So Texas Parks and Wildlife and Fish and Wildlife Service don't do banding programs to cover these. So we're just trying to catch as much data as we can that we can add to what data they have. The Banded Bird Challenge is now underway. There are five prize divisions, including an outfitter division and a high school division. The high school division grand prize is a $1,000 college scholarship. The youth division is open ages 10 to 13. If they're eighth grade or younger, they win a overnight trip with their parent or somebody else to a hunting lodge where they hunt the evening, spend the night, have dinner, and then hunt the next morning and have breakfast and go home. You can register at bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The weakness continued in the cattle markets on Thursday. We finished lower in both live and feeder cattle. However, the cotton market bounced back mainly on weather fears. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market has really struggled over the last couple of weeks. We saw the same thing happening on Thursday with another lower close in both live and feeder cattle futures. October live cattle dropping a dollar fifty-two to close at one twenty-six oh five. December down a dollar forty, one thirty-two twenty. February live cattle were down $1.57, closing at $136.32. Feeder cattle got hit especially hard on Thursday. September feeders down $262 at $160.30. October dropped $3, $165.05. The November down $280, closing at $167.72. Cash-fed cattle market saw some fairly decent activity on Thursday. Texas cattle feeders reporting 1,590 heads sold on the cash market. Those cattle topped out at 124 and a quarter. If you look up north, you see higher prices. Live sales in Nebraska and Iowa ranging from 126 to 127.50. Dressed prices mainly at 204. Boxed beef was lower with choice down 53 cents, 337.92. Select down 221, 305.36. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, it's time for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Let's go to San Angelo, talk to Benny Cox about the sheep and goat sale. Benny, how did it go? We were about 300 heads shy of what we were the last two weeks in a row. We had 54.46. Compared to last week, these wool feeder lambs, they were kind of 5 to $10 lower. The slaughter lambs, these hair sheep type that they kill, the lightweights, kind of 8 to $12 lower. The slaughter ewes, they were 15 to $25 lower. They've been real high. Uh, the kid goats, they were 20 to $30 lower, especially on the plainer kind. We had a pretty good jag of, of weather goat mutton, some pretty good jags of those. They were probably $10 lower, maybe some 15 The slaughter nannies, they sell from 150 to 216 but mostly 195 to 206 Your mature billies from 180 to 228 The spread on these wool feeder lamb types, 274 to 282 Light end of these slaughter lambs, uh, most of those being hair sheep, 260 to 334 The heavier weights from $2 all the way up to 290 Looking at the slaughter use, they range from 85 to 110 mostly 95 to 105 Kid goats, they sold in range from 260 to 320 but mostly 285 to 295 Well, how's the cattle sale shaping up? You know, we ended up with over 1,000 last week. I, we sure could this week. There's a number of things coming up i like to talk about. Special sure. cows coming up on the 9th. So that'll be a week from this coming Thursday. We've got some bulls. We, we're getting a few cows consigned. Uh, no big deal. If you do have any, you really need to call me so I can get it on the advertise. The following week, we had a cat. we've got a calf sale in conjunction with a regular sale. It'll be on the 16th as well. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. They can call me on my mobile, and it's 325 325- 
653-234-4277. The office is the same area code, 653-3371. Or you can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. That's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Now let's look back over at the futures board where lean hogs closed lower on Thursday, October down 30 cents, 89.85. The December hogs down 15 at 82.32. Class 3 milk was mixed. September milk down 5 cents, 16.68 a hundredweight. October milk unchanged at 16.84. It seems like the cotton market hasn't really worried much about damage from Hurricane Ida, but it did get a bit of a spook on Thursday with a new disturbance out in the Gulf that seems to be tracking toward the Mexico-Texas border. Now, it doesn't seem to have a lot of potential, but nonetheless, it did get traders' attention and we moved prices higher with October cotton up 99 points, 95.14. December cotton was up 99, closing at 93.29 cents. The corn market finally took a breather after a week-long drop. Hurricane Ida damage to New Orleans export facilities has put pressure on corn all week long. We finally leveled that out on Thursday. September corn up three quarters, 516 and a quarter. The December contract up two and three quarters, 525 and a half. Overall, we lost about 50 cents on the corn market this week. The wheat market finishing mostly higher with September Kansas City wheat up six, seven oh one and a quarter. New crop July up two and three quarters, seven ten and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago was mixed with the nearby September up three, seven oh four. The new crop July contract down two and a quarter at seven fifteen and a quarter. September rough rice up eight cents, thirteen oh five and a half. November soybeans up five and a half, twelve eighty-three and a quarter. September soybean meal down five eighty at three thirty-seven ninety a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up two cents, four sixty-three. October crude oil up a dollar ten, sixty-nine sixty-nine a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Thursday. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 131 points, 35,443. The Nasdaq up 21 at 15,331. The S&P up 12, 4,536. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. I hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.